This is the Gathering Ottawa's Message Podcast, and we've got another great message for you. For information about us, check out thegatheringottawa.com. To get connected, email info at thegatheringottawa.com. And just know that at The Gathering, we exist to connect people to the love of Jesus. So let's get right to it. Good morning, Gathering. How are you today? Come on now. Oh, I'll be here all day. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I got a text early this morning and, uh, from your pastor, Jeff, and uh, that he was unable to be here. And uh, uh, I said, no worries. Uh, we'll make life pretty easy. Jeff, uh, Jeff is apparently the name of your pastor from here on out. And uh, I'm just Pastor Jeff with hair. All right. So that's... Uh, it is, uh, it is an honor to be with you this morning, and uh, I can just share with you that your pastor, Jeff, is one of the finest pastors in Canada. Uh, I've had opportunities not only to uh, minister alongside with him on a, on a, in a context like this, but we've had coffees and just uh, breaking bread together. He's legit, friends. He's the real deal. And you are honored to have him. So uh, I know today uh, that uh, we pray for him and, and the family. And it's more than a man cold, apparently. So, uh, but uh, we thank you. We thank you for the Jancy family. And we pray a blessing over you. And we honor you. Because uh, doing the work of the Lord is never easy. It takes this uh, word that I want to just share with you for a little bit. It takes this word called collaboration. Working together, coming alongside one another for a common purpose and a common goal. And if we can just state that common goal, it's pretty simple as Christ followers. It is to bring other people to the feet of Jesus. And uh, it's, it's, it's not by mistake or accident this morning that we light the candle of hope. Because Jesus is our hope. He is our eternal hope. He's the one that, uh, if you're new to the faith, he's the one who met you on your road in your spiritual journey and has set you free. If you're old to the faith, he's the one that, that you look to every day and you pray to and you say, God, you are my hope, you are my light, you are my, you are my everything, and I'm going to dedicate my life to you. So it takes this word called collaboration to bring people to the feet of Jesus. And I'm thankful today for the partnership of The Gathering. And for those of you who are unaware, The Gathering is part of a collective uh, churches across uh, your, your beautiful city of Ottawa. It's not beautiful right now, by the way. I did pray, dear Jesus, hold the weather back at least three hours. <laughs> and uh, it started to rain uh, and freezing rain and all that. But you're here this morning, so I promise you we'll get out before 17 centimeters of snow or the candle is done, all right? So one of those two things. But uh, your church is part of uh, eight or nine other churches across the Ontario region that uh, work together, that collaborate together. And on an annual basis, you raise over $12,000 for moms and babies in a community called El Haraco. 
and that's in the community of Guatemala. And so we're thankful for that. And uh, in the new year, we are actually uh, striving towards what is called a concert of hope, where collectively we're going to come together and uh, we're going to have a night of celebration, a night of stories, and a night of raising some resources for this specific project in El Jaraco that focuses on moms and babies and giving them the best start in life, because that's what it's all about. And that is one of the reasons why we partner together. And the other reason is coming alongside children through sponsorship. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But currently, right now, the Ottawa Collective, your church, uh, sponsors on a monthly basis 306 children right now that are being sponsored on a monthly basis through eight churches, which is pretty incredible. And that's going to change today. Amen? Amen? All right. Amen. All right. So that's super excited. So there are a couple of ways before we get into the message this morning that you can be involved in this season of giving, in this season where your church is focused on the ministry and the work of compassion. There are a couple of things. Uh, What I shared with you about is our child survival program. Uh, You can partner with us through that. You can find out more information through your own uh, website, and uh, there's a way that you can uh, donate through there. But there's also things called gifts of compassion. Uh, And when I talked to Pastor Jeff, he said, hey, uh, what do you tell our our friends, our people, about other opportunities uh, that Compassion presents? And so one of them is actually through our gifts of Compassion. And uh, this goes beyond the scope of El Horaco, your community-focused area. And uh, the gifts of Compassion is exactly that. through things like giving a goat or a cow or textbooks or whatever it might be. So uh, I'm going to encourage all of you at the end of the service, whether you want to sponsor a child or not, swing by the table and pick up this catalog called Gifts of Compassion. In there, there's many different things, and uh, the giving season is here and upon us, and maybe you want to give a gift on behalf of somebody in your family and say, hey, you donated a cow to a community and say thank you and amen to that. There's also... These cool little uh, Christmas ornaments that you can hang on your Christmas tree. Um, I don't know about you. Do, do any of you have pets in your house? How do you navigate your pets not touching the Christmas tree? Like electric, I'm thinking of an electric Christmas tree. Anybody who touches it, they get shocked. I think that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to run with that. All right, so um, you can put this on the top third of your Christmas tree where it will not be eaten or taken by any animal. Uh, And there, it's just a friendly reminder, a gentle reminder about the gifts of compassion. And there's a QR code that you can scan on the back that uh, will send you directly towards our Gifts of Compassion website where you can explore all the wonderful and amazing things that are going on today. Amen? So... When we talk about this word called collaboration, I'm going to just share with you for a few moments in a, in a passage of scripture called Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, there's this beautiful story of people working together. And we know that this Christian faith and this journey that we are, are on, we are not called to live it alone. We're not called to journey alone. In, in fact, all throughout the scripture, we see uh, Jesus bringing people along for one another to help in the midst of the journey thereof. Think about in the, in the Old Testament, uh, Moses. Moses had Aaron. And Moses was in this, in this battle, and Aaron was there beside Moses, lifting his arms up in the midst of the battle, being there as a support. 
But then we also see throughout the New Testament, we see uh, the disciples and their partnership and the collaboration there. We see Jesus saying, hey, it's better if we come alongside and we work together this, this collaboration, this partnership. And I can't help but think of the role of the local church and the goal of the local church and what are we called to do and where are we called to go and who are we called to minister to. And so in this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter uh, 5, I want to uh, say these two words. And these two words are hold on. Tell somebody to hold on. Thank you, all one of you. Come on now, tell somebody beside you to hold on. And when you say that statement, it can actually have a couple of different meanings. Uh, if you're rushing out the door, maybe somebody's saying, hold on. That idea of waiting. How many, uh, like if you're rushing out the door and you have to get that one last thing or whatever it might be. Or how about this, hold on is like, what did you say? Now, I have a couple of my boys with me this morning. It's an honor to have them with me. But if you have teenagers in the house, sometimes you, as a parent, you say, hold on, what did you say? Yeah, right? You got that little tone, that little jab as a parent. Or if you have young drivers in the house, hold on has a whole different meaning, doesn't it? Hold on, buckle up. That would be us on the way home. <laughs> Hold on, we're going to make it home. I promise you. But then there's this other idea as Christ followers when we say, Hold on. Hold on to the faith that God's given you. Hold on to the hope that, we, that resides in Christ. Hold on to the journey which God has in store for you. This idea that we need to grip on to what the promise and the hope that God has in store for us. And in Luke chapter 5, there's this story about a paralytic man being lowered at the feet of Jesus. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up or scan or scroll or wherever, however, get to Luke chapter 5. And Luke chapter 5, it says there's a story of a paralytic man and there's this other group of people and it's the friends of this paralytic man. And the friends got together and they said, you know what, we hear about this Jesus that's going from community to community and all throughout the Decapolis and he's, and he's doing some incredible things the blind can now see. The broken are now whole again. Those who are, are, are ill are healed. There, there's something about this Jesus. And, I, and you can imagine that one of them or all of them have a burden for their friend that has been paralyzed. And, and it doesn't say for how long. It could be for a short period of time, but it could be for his entire life. But all we know throughout Scripture is that this man is cannot walk. And so their friends get together and say, you know what, why don't we bring our friend to Jesus? Such a simple goal, isn't it? But I love this idea of collaboration, of working together for a common goal and a common purpose to bring wholeness and healing to a situation that may not be so ideal. It reminds me, uh, the last month I had the privilege and opportunity going to, uh, to go down to Mexico City with, uh, with Compassion and a few of my colleagues. 
And uh, and one of the honors that we have over and over again is home visits. And for those of you who have been on a compassion trip, you, you know the significance of going to somebody's home and, and, and being invited in and seeing the work of not only compassion, but the work of the local church happening. And so I want to show you this picture. It's of this picture of this, this gentleman, his teenager, who's near the end of uh, his time with compassion because he's aging out and he's graduating high school. It's a, it's a great thing. His name's Brian. And he's there, uh, he's the, the, the teenager with the black and white t-shirt. He's not seven feet tall, friends. I just want to ensure you, he's tall, but he's just standing on a ledge. And, and Brian has his arm around his dad. And I love this part. Like, we showed up, there was, there was about a half, six of us that showed up to uh, Brian's home. And Brian's dad was not aware that we were coming over. Typical teenager. Invited some friends over. Hey. But we got to uh, meet Brian's dad. And we're gathered around in this simple, simple structure that has a, a dining room table, you can imagine. Or a table with chairs around it. And all of us are sort of positioned around that room. And Brian is there with his dad, and Brian's dad is there, so Brian's grandpa is there. He's the gentleman with the red hat. So that's three generations so far. And Brian's grandpa is there with his wife, and she's the lady in the middle with the beautiful purple coat on. And she sat on a chair she was unable to see due to medical conditions. But she can hear and she can tell stories and the, the lady, the smaller lady in the, with the white hair, she's Brian's great-grandmother, 101 years of age. And as we're sitting around this table, and I'm standing there, and I'm listening to the stories, it would be Brian's grandfather that would just begin to share a story and with tears in his eyes, he says, I'm just so thankful for light in this place, in this house today. Because when it gets dark, that means Brian and his younger brother can study. It's such a simple statement, and it hit me so deep. Because here is Brian, who's been a part of our Compassion Center, that's part of the local church, ever since he was a child, and they've not only taken care of Brian, but they've taken care of, they've taken care of the family as well. See, when I think about collaboration, when I think about working together, coming alongside a child and sponsoring on a monthly basis, one of the questions I get often is this, well, how does this impact the family? And I can honestly say it impacts the family in such a tremendous way. Because here we have four generations being blessed because somebody decided to sponsor a child named Brian. And Brian was part of the Compassion Center in his community, which was part of a, a local church in that community, because there is no Compassion Center without the local church. No matter what country we find ourselves in, we do not launch a Compassion Center without the partnership of the local church, because the local church is the hero of this story, not Compassion. And someone came alongside Brian's life, 
and his younger brother, who evidently is not in this picture because he's at school, and uh, decided to say, hey, we'll partner with you. We'll come alongside. We'll, we'll, we'll do our part as God has laid on our hearts in collaboration and in partnership. And so we have our, this story found in Luke chapter 5 about four friends working together to ensure that their other friend is, gets to Jesus. Because that's the simple task of the local church, isn't it? To bring as many people as we can to the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our light. Jesus is our restorer. Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is the answer to our brokenness. And so they gather together, and you can imagine they bring their friend to Jesus, and you can, I don't know, who's the planner in the room? Who's the, who's the planner? Somebody's got to be the planner, the one that has to have everything all scheduled out. Is it Rachel? Rachel, are you the planner? You're the administrator. Yeah, all right, so, like, but who's planning the turkey dinner in two weeks? Who? Rebecca. Where's Rebecca? So monitoring all, she's doing what she's called to do, all right. So Rebecca is like, listen, we are going to get organized here. I don't want 15 potatoes, though potatoes are fantastic. Comfort food, inside and out. All right, and um, so Rebecca's one of the four, and she says, all right, team, we need to be here early. Uh, Jesus is going to be in the neighborhood, all right, right over here. And we need to ensure that we are there on time. So she, she, she organizes and sends everybody a text. Hey, we got to be here. Be at my house at 9 because we're going to make our way and we're going to be at the house where Jesus is at for 9.30, all right? We want to be early. We want to be on time. We don't want to be late. And then there's always that one person in the group who it seems has a total disregard of time management. Perpetually late. I'm not going to ask you to point out the finger of that person. But you get irritated if you're the planner. Don't you care? Did you not read my text, my email, my phone call, my message? The carrier pigeon that showed up at your house? Did you not read any of that? And so this group of four, and I'm elaborating here, but you can imagine they show up. They're late. The planner's irritated. The person who's late is irritated because the planner's irritated and they all think it's his fault or her fault or whatever it might be. But they finally get their friend and they're moving towards where Jesus is at because that is their goal. That is their mission. But they're met with not the ideal scenario. They show up and the house is full already. I can't help but think in our life, in our journey, when God lays something on our heart, maybe to sponsor a child, maybe to step out in faith and whatever it might be, and we do that active obedience as God's called us to do, and then it's not unfolding the way we think it should unfold. The timing is not happening as we want it to happen. We're met with obstacles and roadblocks. And the ideal scenario and situation is not perfect, is it? 
And the one person in the group who thinks everything should be perfect is literally having a meltdown. I think in our journey, it's in those moments when we are faced with opposition, it's in those moments when we are faced with obstacles in our way, is really when our true faith and resolve comes to the surface, doesn't it? Those friends could have easily said, well, we tried, didn't we? Can't help but think in my life and in my journey, how many times was I faced with something and I just said to God and I surrendered so simply and I was like, well, I tried. Maybe God's calling us to lean in a little bit more. To have a little bit of what I want to say, a little bit more resilience in our journey when we're faced with obstacles and oppositions and challenges and, and, and situations that are just not ideal. Maybe God is asking us and challenging our faith just a little bit more. And so these four friends show up with their friend that needs to be at the feet of Jesus. The house is full and what do we do? And of course, the fourth person in the group is always the creative person that thinks outside the box, that destroys everything and doesn't care about any obstacle in the way. And that idea comes around and says, well, why don't we drop the person We'll call him Matt at the feet of Jesus. Oh, how are we going to do that? Well, we could push our way in, but that's not going to work because there's so many people. Why don't we climb up on the roof and peel the roof back and lower Matt down to the feet of Jesus? And somebody, like everybody who's uh, um, an ideas person, just needs the yes, amen person. The enabler. I think that's a great idea. Done. And they're so focused on, on, on watching that idea come into fruition because they have one believer. And so you can imagine they get to the roof. Poor Matt doesn't really have anything to say about this. And you can imagine they peel back the roof and the commotion that's happening. I, I just, their determination to see their friend be at the feet of Jesus is to be admired. And as they peel back the tiles, and I don't know how they arranged, I don't know who was the knot tire or whoever, like, but they began to lower, I, it'd be me, I, like, like something fell on me, my phone dropped, everything dropped, I'm afraid this thing might drop because I'm just that guy. I'd be like, don't trust me, I'm, I'm going to drop you at the feet of Jesus. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Miss Cubs, that knot tying day. All right, and, but as they're lowering him down, I can imagine one of them leaning over and whispering in his ear, hold on, we got you today. Hold on, because your life is about to change. See, their faith just began to grow and grow and grow because they knew that Jesus changes everything. 
because he is the hope of the world. He is the hope for the broken. And you can imagine the friends just saying, hold on, your life is about to change and be radically transformed from the inside out. Hold on, friend, because you came in one way and you're going to leave another way. We believe the power of Jesus is that strong and that real, that no matter what we do, no matter what obstacles we might face and what challenges might be in our way, no matter how creative we might be, but our main goal, we are going to see you at the feet of Jesus. And I think about the local church, I think about the gathering, I think about all the challenges that we face as Canadians and all the challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis when Jesus is just asking us to bring as many people as we can to the feet of him. And I'm sure we can go around the room and talk about the challenges that we have. The challenges that we're facing. May I just pray the prayer of resilience, tenacity, determination, desire. To see those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are disenfranchised, those who are impoverished at the feet of Jesus. There's this other group that Luke 5 talks about. You have the friends that bring their friend to the feet of Jesus. But as Luke, in the middle part of Luke chapter 5, it talks about that there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the critics, they're at a distance. They followed Jesus around everywhere. Always sat, I'm going to go off screen here, so hang on, I'll be back promise. <laughs> Pastor Jeff's probably watching online going, oh mercy. <laughs> but you, if you notice in the scripture that these, these religious leaders were always at a distance watching, being hypercritical of what Jesus was doing. They often would question Jesus and they would say something like this, you can't do that. Who do you think you are, you know, healing people of their sins? Do you not know what day it is today? Today's the Sabbath, and we don't heal people on the Sabbath. Always at a distance. Never truly engaged at the feet of Jesus. Because I believe if they had an encounter with Jesus at the feet of Jesus, that their life would transform from the inside out. And I think that what this teaches us is this. There will always be critics in our life. Always. And we could easily reroute our journey to cater to the critics. But can I just say something, maybe a little bold and a little little out there? We are not called to cater to the critics, friends. Because once you start to cater to this group of critics, there'll be another group of critics. And you'll spend your entire life being busy about nothing, trying to resolve those you're trying to win over. When Jesus, all he is asking us to do is bring people to him. The critics will always be there. But in Luke chapter 5, Jesus gets, hears the critics 
And he, he gets this sort of bravado about him, and you can only imagine. He says, well, is it easier for me to forgive the man of his sins? And he tells Matt, your sins are forgiven. See, when we put people at the feet of Jesus, healing starts from the inside out. And they were all astonished and amazed. Jesus steps forward and, and, and takes it further. Not only heals the man of his sins from the inside out, but he says, I'm going I'm to say, pick up your mat, Matt. <laughs> Get it? No one got it at the beginning, but all right, it's the story. You got to read it. And pick up your mat and go home. And so Matt rolls up his mat and jumps up. And you can imagine that the crowd just, just parted way. And he, it said you know, he left or he walked. I don't know if you would walk after you've been paralyzed and healed. I'm sure there would be some running and dancing. And I love this part in Luke chapter 5. And this is my prayer for the gathering. In Luke chapter 5, it says this in verse number 26. And everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. That is my prayer. That is my prayer for the gathering. That is my prayer for the local church. That that would be our testimony. That when we leave this place here today or whatever Sunday it might be, that we have seen amazing things. And what amazing things have we seen? We've seen God come and restore somebody from the inside out. We've seen God restore somebody physically. We've seen people bring other people to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus was celebrated by being the hope of humanity because we have seen amazing things. And here, what's, here's the most incredible thing about this whole journey, that Jesus invites you and I to be a part of of that journey, to be a part of that sentence that we have seen amazing things today. That sentence comes because four people got together with determination and the desire to see their friend not only heal from the inside out, they came, they saw, they saw something was in the way, and they said, you know what, we are so determined and so focused to see our friend at the feet of Jesus that we'll do absolutely anything. That is my prayer for the local church, this idea of determination. Their mission was clear. However, their mission was faced with obstacles and challenges, but they were so focused. And God, may, our, may the local church be so focused on the mission. At Compassion, our mission is pretty clear. We want to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. That is our mission unapologetically, to come alongside family like Brian's family and say, listen, Brian, we're not only going to help you, but we're going to ensure that the local church comes alongside your family to ensure that you have the proper resources and the proper you know, place where you not only can learn, but the place where you can be fed. And we want to make sure that this is absolutely clear. So with compassion, if you're new to compassion's journey, your story, there are three things that we hold dearly to keep our mission as clear and as focused as possible. The first one is this, we love God. 
We love God. We, love, we believe in God. We believe in Jesus. We believe Jesus is the hope of humanity. And we get to be a part of that narrative. We love children. Currently, right now, compassion, through compassion, uh, all around the world, there's some 2.2 million children that are part of the compassion program as we speak right now. But compassion globally has a, a, an audacious goal that we want to see over 3 million children on a monthly basis be a part of our compassion program. That is an aggressive goal. That is a, that is a, a, a God-sized goal. But we believe that this is our mission. This is our mandate. This is our calling. Is it faced with challenges and obstacles along the way? 100%. But I can tell you this. We don't throw up our hands and go, well, we tried. No, we're, we lean in and say, God, how can we be creative? What are you calling us to do? How, how are you calling us to navigate the, the situations you're in. So we love God, we love children, and we love the local church. As I said earlier, there's not one compassion center without the local church. And in Mexico, I, believe it or not, I was actually scheduled to go to uh, Guatemala and visit the El Jaraco Center, but uh, pray for Guatemala. It's in a very, very difficult situation right now. They've gone months without work. There's protests. There's civil unrest. And so uh, pray for Guatemala. I know it's just not on the, it's not on the, the news front uh, with all the other global issues that are happening right now. But we were scheduled to go to Guatemala. And I was talking to Pastor Jeff. I was saying, I'm super excited. We're going to see some of these kids. We're going to see the center. And two weeks prior to us actually getting on the plane, we had to pivot. We had to turn because the, the, the Compassion Center in Guatemala closed down. And, uh, and so we changed directions and, and uh, uh, the Mexican uh, Compassion Center uh, said, hey, we'll take you Canadians. We love you. And so we actually had the opportunity to go to Mexico City and see some of our frontline church partners and to see some of the the moms and babies programs that, are, that you're running and facilitating in Guatemala, and we got to see them in Mexico, and I can just say this, that compassion is on the forefront of taking care of moms and babies in these communities. There's so many things in Canada that we take for granted. Proper prenatal care, postnatal care, proper care of infants. There's one compassion center I went to outside of Mexico City where... Uh, just at the, at the Compassion Center, which is attached to the local church, they have a, a care center where moms can bring their toddlers and they can uh, begin to learn and, and be active and interactive. It's just this whole thing that, that you and I would just take. We're like, yeah, of course you need to, uh, these fun little interactive toys and these beautiful colors. and all. It's new for those parts of the world to have actually pre and post and, and uh, infant care like that. So Compassion is leading the way. And you're part of that, which is exciting. So we love the local church, not only in the 29 countries that we are represented, but we love the local church here in Canada. Without you, we are unable to do the mission that God has called us to do. You are one of the many people that grab hold of that mat 
And collectively, we work together to bring people to Jesus, to bring children to Jesus, to bring families to Jesus. We're all different. We're all unique. Every church is unique and different, but we all play our part and say, hey, let me grab hold of that mat. Let me whisper into the ear of that child, hold on, child, because today your life is going to change. Hold on, child, because we are working together to see what God has in store for your life. Hold on, child, though you may be faced with obstacles and challenges, I'm determined to see God in your life. And that's pretty incredible and exciting. We need the local church. We believe in the local church. We believe in the, the Ottawa Compassion Collective, which you're a part of, which is the only one in Canada currently right now. We believe that these collective centers can happen all around uh, our nation and all around uh, Ontario, where churches work together to see some incredible things happen. I would challenge you with this as I wrap it up this morning. What is God asking you to bring? What is God challenging you maybe this morning, maybe in the, in the near future? What is God asking you to bring? Because I think there are times when we look at our life and we look at our situation and say, God, what can I do? What can I bring? What, what, what do I have to offer? I would say you have a lot to offer. I say that you play a significant role in, in not only accomplishing the mission and the mandate of, of Compassion Canada, but you have a significant role in here at the gathering to use your giftings and your skill sets and bring what God has given you to service. My coworker Erica. We had the another privilege, another opportunity to visit a home. In, uh, in Mexico City, and Erica was there, and she was with me, and, and we were visiting this home, and uh, we visited this home of this little girl named Genesis. There's Genesis there. Uh, and uh, Genesis is just this beautiful girl that is part of our compassion program through the local church. And on the, on the left side, you see Genesis' bed. It's, uh, she lives in this one, one room house with her mom and her dad, and there's Genesis, and that's Genesis' bed on the left, and it's separated by an armoire, uh, and on the other half of the armoire is, uh, is a queen bed for the, the parents, and that's it. That's their home. And so we show up, and uh, Genesis is there. She's so proud that we're there, which is happy, and and she pulls out her tambourine. I grew up going to a Pentecostal church. I've grown not to like the tambourine. <laughs> at all. Terrible. <laughs> but Genesis pulls out her tambourine, and it was in this beautiful little carrying case. And she unzips it, and this beautiful tambourine with streamers and then Genesis decides to perform a song with her tambourine. And a light went off in my head. I'm like, that's what a tambourine is supposed to be for. <laughs> Not for on the hip, you know. That, that's, that's it. But she does this beautiful song. 
And it was just so special to see her smile. And then she puts it down and she shows us her, her, her stuffies. She's got one large stitch, one smaller stitch. She loves Lilo and Stitch and the Disney movies and all of that. Just like a typical girl. And we go out to the courtyard and we're there with the mom and the pastor and they start talking and, and we're asking questions. And Genesis, like any sort of young girl and young kid, gets a little bit bored of adult talk. And she just starts playing around. And my coworker Erica, probably the same, and I'm with Erica, get a little bored of adult talk. And so she starts hanging out and playing games with Genesis. And then she shows Genesis her, her girls on her phone. Hey, these are my kids. And that they like Disney too. And Genesis without being told, runs back into the house and gets the smaller stitch, which happened to be brand new, and gives it to Erica. And Erica's like, no, no, I don't, I don't want your stitch. And Genesis just began to cry because... Genesis just wanted to give her best to Erica to give to her girls. And Erica's like, no, it's not that I don't want it. And through the translator and, and that, and Erica ended up taking this beautiful brand new little stitch. Unprovoked. Genesis gave her best. On a day where a bunch of foreigners showed up, see where she lived. Unaware of that day that Erica's life would just forever change because a little girl decided to give her best when maybe from our perspective she had nothing to give. But she gave it all. I can't help but think that God's calling us to give our best. I can't help but think there are many times when God's asked me to give something and I honestly have a debate with God on what I should give. What, what, what drives a little girl named Genesis to give her best? How did she know? And I can't help but credit to the local church, that Genesis has been a part of a compassion center, a part of a local church ever since landing in that community that has taught her to always give her best. Just like any parent, any pastor would encourage their followers and their children to say, hey, just give your best. And what does that mean, give our best? It's like the, in the New Testament when the widow gave such an insignificant amount. I think it says two mites. And the critics watched and scoffed at her, mocked her. And Jesus says that one widow gave more in that one situation than they could ever give in their entire life. It's not about the quantity, 
of what we give. But it's about the quality and how we give it. God is calling us. God's calling us not only to bring our best, to be our best, but be about what he has in store. So I want to challenge you this morning in a most loving way is what is God calling you to bring? How is God calling you to be a part of the narrative of compassion, the narrative of the gathering? How is God calling us to be a part of something that is much bigger than who we are? Because there are many kids, some 2.2 million kids that are part of our compassion, just like Genesis. That one day a group of foreigners will show up and they will just want to give their best and show extravagant love. And I don't know about you, there are many times when I receive that and I'm, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve this. And we light the candle of hope today. And I think about the love of Christ, what he has in store for me. And many times I say, I don't deserve what you have in store for me. But that's what's beautiful about God's grace. That's what's beautiful about the mission and the vision and the purpose and the calling of who we are as Christ followers. I often, I had this saying on my desk, I think I told it last time. It says, I'm just a beggar trying to tell another beggar where he found food. I want to be about his mission. I want to be about what God is doing. I want to grab hold of that mat and whisper to those who God's put in my life, hang on, because your life is about to change from the inside out. Amen? But we want to say thank you for investing in a child's life because it matters. You matter. The gathering matters. The collective matters. Because we're making a difference in this world together. Amen? Can I pray a blessing over you? And... uh, by all means, stop by the table. Myself or my, my son Sam will be happy to walk you through and what that means and making a difference for those of you who are already sponsored. Maybe today is that day where you step out in faith and say, yeah, I'm going to give my best because God's calling me to give my best today. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We pray for Pastor Jeff right now um, as he's at home. Lord, we pray for healing, restoration. We pray, God, that you would come alongside and just give him the proper rest and care as he needs, as he gets better. Lord, I pray for the gathering and I say thank you for all the work that they have done over the years and the partnership and, the, and come alongside young moms and babies and making a difference in not only a mother's life but a newborn's life as well. Year over year, Lord, it's the faithfulness of the collective and the faithfulness of the gathering that it says, hey, we are going to come alongside in this community and support wherever we can. And I also pray, uh, Lord, for those who are, are praying, Lord, whether or not to today to sponsor a child, may that day be the day, may today be that day where they say, listen, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to be a part of a child's life. I'm going to grab hold of that mat and whisper in that child's ear, hold on, child, because your life is about to change. Lord, we thank you for this community. 
We pray over the next season, Lord, this Christmas season, as we gather together as a church family, as we break bread together, may we think of those who have lost loved ones along the way. And Lord, may we be there in the midst of the loneliness and the hurt and the pain and whatever it might be going on. May the church be there saying we are here for you in the midst of your journey. Lord, we thank you. Be with us today. Be, about, be with us as we go about our day. Lord, you are good in all that we do. Amen. tuning in we're back next week with another great message don't forget to check out our website thegatheringottawa.com and tune in next week to the gathering ottawa's message podcast